Welcome to another episode of Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about everything, personal development, mental health, and sexuality. I am your host today, Matt Lancedal, and we are joined by Dr. Chris Haran. Welcome, Chris. Hello, Matt. Hello. So today we are going to be talking about the sensitive gay man. We're going to be talking about sensitivity. This is not a very common thing people talk about. Um, and Chris and I have uh, courageously chose to bring this topic to the forefront and uh, explore this together because uh, both Chris and I are both highly sensitive people. So we wanted to, to talk a bit about what it means to be sensitive, the science and the stigma of sensitivity. And um, we're gonna share a little bit about our story, how, uh, how Chris and I met, um, how we have worked together professionally. And um, we're going to talk, like I said, about the science and the stigma of, uh, of sensitivity. We're going to share our stories of what uh, it's been like growing up as sensitive men and sensitive boys. And then we're going to explore some unique challenges of being a sensitive man, uh, specifically. It is different for men and women, the way that sensitivity is socially conditioned. Uh, and uh, the appropriateness of displaying sensitivity is different between men and women. So we'll be unpacking that. And then we're going to also look at the, the similarities between gay men and highly sensitive people and the similar struggles that we share uh, between each other uh, that come from our social conditioning. Um, and then we're going to unpack this, the challenges and the benefits of being a highly sensitive person. So we're happy that you're here with us today uh, because who knows, this may be you. Um, and we'll go from there. So I want to just uh, share a little bit about Chris. Um, he is a clinical psychologist who sees adults who are experiencing a range of mental health, lifestyle, and relationship difficulties or difficulties adjusting to change. He specializes in addressing emotional difficulties such as depression, anxiety, shame, stress, or burnout related to, be, to being a highly sensitive person. Registered as a clinical psychologist with the Psychology Board of Australia, and Medicare, Chris holds a doctorate in clinical psychology from the Australian National University, in addition to a bachelor's of chemical engineering and commerce from Monash. For his doctoral research, Chris designed, developed, and evaluated resilience training programs for the NSW police force. Through this research, he developed a deep understanding of resilience. He especially enjoys using this expertise, expertise to support his clients to establish the foundations for a more fulfilling, productive, resi uh, resilient, and healthy life. He grew up in a community in which his sensitivity was seen as a problem to get rid of instead of something to be understood and embraced. After a long-term relationship breakup, he awoke to the need to value this part of himself and he went on a journey to self-discovery drawing on his understanding of what makes people resilient. In his spare time, Chris can be found meditating, working out in nature with friends, hiking or at the beach or walking the streets of Melbourne with his adorable puppy, Yuko. Awesome. So where do we want to begin? <laughs> we have a lot mm -hmm. to share. <clears throat> let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's share the story of how we met. Do you want to share the story? Right. Yeah, I guess. First of all, I just want to say thank you and for inviting me yeah. to um, be part of this podcast, to share my story and to share a message for all of those people who are sensitive and gay, mm -hmm. um, that they're not alone. Exactly. Yeah. Not alone. There are many of us out there. Um, and this is an individual difference. And it's nothing wrong and it's something that needs to be embraced. Mm -hmm. Also for those people who are not less sensitive to give you education around those people around you who are more sensitive such that you can help them meet their needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so I'm really pleased that we can do this together. Um, yeah. Because I think the experience for many of us is of experience of feeling alone in it yeah yeah mm -hmm. i feel you and i'm glad that you're you're here today to to do this with me and share this information because um 
it was you sharing the term highly sensitive person with me that allowed me to understand my sensitivity um, in a whole new way and to understand the science behind the trait. And, um, and yeah, so I'm very grateful that you're here as well. What's your, what's your, I'm curious, what's the, the recollection for you of how we met and how it all played out? I want to, I want to hear. Mm. Oh, that's right. I met you through obviously the Gay Men's Brotherhood. Yeah. Um, I reached out to you. Um, yeah, because I was looking for people who I could relate to, mm. to talk about my own experience and understand myself. But also I really valued um just your message relating to authenticity. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and the emphasis on community yeah. and connection. Um, so that's why I reached out to you. Yeah. That's, and just all went from there, I guess. What, what's your recollection? Yeah. Matt? Yeah, it's very similar. Um, we, we ended up doing some work together, uh, building, um, some infrastructure for sensitives and uh, we both well Chris Chris first taught me about the highly sensitive person uh, this term which is meaning that somebody has sensory processing sensitivity which we'll get into later but um, and was like I felt like holy shit this is the missing piece of the puzzle and I I've been looking for this my whole life and finally Chris offered me this piece of the puzzle and then um, the course of my business changed. Um, at that time, I was working predominantly with, with gay men, and, uh, and I decided to kind of open up a whole other avenue for my business around working with highly sensitive people and empaths and other intuitives that are um, struggling with a lot of the same things. I think gay men and, and these, this demographic are a lot of similar similarities, loneliness, shame, fear, not feeling understood, these sorts of mm -hmm. things. So um, and then Chris and I decided to develop a, a course called Authentic mm. Relating and Empowerment, um, which also Chris introduced me to Authentic Relating, which I was really grateful for as well. And um, so, yeah, our connection has really um, had a huge impact on my professional world and how I, how I uh, the modalities that I use in order to work with people, I think, have been dramatically changed since, since uh, connecting with you. So... Lots of gratitude for that. Yeah. yeah, and thanks for being so open for that connection and for that those ideas that we shared mm -hmm. um, and for wanting to build something with me. Yeah. I know that the people who were part of the early programs, um, they've really benefited a lot from it. Mm -hmm. So we ran program last year, two program, a few, pro three programs, four programs last year. Uh, yeah, three and then... We've had about 80 people go through the course mm. already. So that's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. And, and I constantly keep on getting feedback. So many of the people who did the program were my clients and they constantly say, oh, that course, oh, it's now helping me a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do it really shifts people's understanding of themselves and of what they need in order to thrive. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll share a bit about the course after. I think maybe why don't we start with um, talking a bit about what it means to be sensitive, because I think mm -hmm. a lot of people have the stigma of being sensitive, right? Like, oh, somebody who gets their feelings hurt easily, right? That's like mm -hmm. usually the the go-to thing when you hear the word sensitive. But there's so much more to this term sensitivity that we we want to unpack with you guys. So, do you want to explain to the the viewer listener um, the science behind sensitivity and what it means? Yeah, so there's a, um, the term the highly sensitive person was first coined by a um, clinical psychologist, Elaine Aron, um, in the 90s. Um, the, the understanding that there's differences, individual differences in sensitivity uh, in infants has been well studied for like decades, hundreds of years. But for some reason, it was just assumed that, um, oh, once people get to adults, oh, they're all the same but it was not the case. Mm -hmm. So she uh, articulated the experience of an adult, highly sensitive person. Um, and she, um, uh, yeah, and so she coined this term, the highly sensitive person and articulated the, and defined, divided all around um, 
sensitivity being uh, the experience, the ten people who are highly sensitive as having um, being able to notice things at a final level of details, detail in different sensory domains. So that can be auditory. Um, so it could be auditory, visual, um, taste, touch, sm smell, also emotionally sensitive sensitivity, which is within uh, the ability to notice activation of your organs and musculoskeletal system when your emotions are activated mm -hmm. so people who are highly sensitive just notice these things more yeah. um, and it's distinct this is distinct from being sensitive to other people's needs which is what um is often you which is which people often think of when they think of the term sensitivity oh that's they're very sensitive to the other person's needs um, i would call that empathic Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, very empathic. Whereas sensitivity is, I can notice lots of things. Yeah. And then there's another distinction with reactivity, which is the extent to which you react to the things that, to what you notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these definitions, I'll kind of elaborate on more as we talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a um, an acronym that that Dr. Elaine Aaron uses to um, categorize the characteristics of the trait, which is does D O E S, and um, you touched on on uh, the E and the S, which is um, emotional reactivity or responsivity and empathy, and then S is noticing subtleties in your environment. The, the first two, the D and the O, the the D the D is depth of of processing. And I think this is a really important thing to note about um, highly sensitive people is that they process a lot deeper with more depth and breadth. So we, we tend to be able to notice things um, and process a ton of information from that. So somebody could be saying something and talking and we're actually noticing their body language and we're noticing the little thing in the corner of their mouth that's moving or they're, they're like the spasm in their face or anything mm -hmm. like all these fine little details. So we're, we're constantly filtering all of this information and bringing it in. And, um, and this leads to what would be the O in does is overstimulation because we're processing so much information. And um, this is usually the one category of the trait that most people uh, deem as negative, which is feeling overstimulated in the nervous system, um, which means we, we have taken in so much information processing through our senses, the sensory aspect of our, of our perception, and um, it's caused an overstimulation in our nervous system. So that for me, it shows up as like anxiety. It shows up as like feeling just fried, like totally frazzled um, because I've taken on too much, especially if I do something like multitasking, it just really exacerbates my, uh, my, my nervous system. So I think that's really important to note. Um, anything else in the scientific aspect that you think is important to cover? Um. I guess the main thing, the main thing from a scientific point of view is that um, it's well understood that, well, the research is very clear that being sensitive does not mean that a person will have better out, worse outcomes in life. Mm -hmm. um, it really comes down to the uh, having a good fit between one's nature, their sensitivity, and their environment, mm -hmm. particularly when they're young. So if we are, uh, if someone is highly sensitive um, and they are supported in getting their needs met, um, particularly to be supported in helping them to understand their emotions and to manage that overstimulation, mm -hmm. then the research is, uh, shows that sensitive people get better outcomes than less sensitive people. However, and so they, so they sensitive people thrive in that context. However, if a sensitive person, a highly sensitive person uh, is not supported in getting their needs met, they wither. So they get worse outcomes. Yeah. And this matches up to an, uh, a metaphor that uh, another researcher, pediatrician, Thomas Boyce, um, I came up with, which is the metaphor of the orchid and the dandelion. Mm -hmm the orchid being the highly sensitive person and the dandelion being the less sensitive person. So the orchid needing uh, more, more attuned 
uh, a bit more nurturing, but it's beautiful. Whereas the dandelion, they can grow on the rubbish tip, what we call rubbish tip. Um, and, you know, they don't need that special nurturing, but they're not as special as the orchid. Mm-hmm. They're not as pretty. So anyway, I'm a proud orchid. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I'm a proud orchid as well. And it, it never, it wasn't always that way. And I think, well, I want to go into our sensitivity stories, but I first want to just note something that's important about the trait as well is that it is a genetically inheritable trait. It's passed down through genetics and um, research shows about 20% of the world's population is scores high on the, the sensory processing sensitivity test. And um, it's also across about a hundred species, right? So it's actually quite a, an adaptive and an evolved trait um, to preserve a species, right? For, for the species survival. And I think, you know, you're looking at how it would be beneficial to the human species. I think it's, uh, you know, people that are, that are highly sensitive tend to ha- have higher empathy, right? They tend to be yeah. able to notice subtleties in environment, which means changes in environment. A lot of people that are highly sensitive, they also um, report being able to kind of feel things before they come, right? And uh, this is important for the evolution of our species because we want to be able to be empathic, be compassionate with one another. And, and I think the sensitive people on this planet are teaching people how to, how to do this and how to um, display empathy towards each other. And um, also kind of being able to be the bullshit detectors of this planet, knowing, you know, noticing the things that are, that are happening um, in, you know, maybe behind the scenes that other people wouldn't notice. Yeah, it's a bit like where the, I think that reminds me kind of like the, can, we can be the canaries in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to explain what that means? Well, well, in the olden days and they'd put these canaries in the coal mine in case the oxygen level was going to, was dropping too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and the canaries would kind of drop dead <laughs> yeah. if, if the oxygen level got lower mm-hmm. well before a human being the oxygen level got to a level that a human being would be affected by the oxygen levels being low. Yeah. So yeah. I guess the, the, if you don't, if you ignore what the sensitive person is saying, um, you'll miss the message. Yeah. Mm, miss important information. So we, exactly. we, de- we detect things and we tell people that, hang on, this is an issue. And mm-hmm. if people shut us up, you know, it's at the detriment of society really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's important because w- whether you, you um, identify with this trait or not, I think if you look at 20% of the world's population scores on the trait, I think that's one in five gay men is going to mm-hmm. score on SPS. Oh, yeah. Right. So you're dealing with, with other highly sensitive people, what, you know, in the dating pool, you might notice that, you know, somebody's just different, their nervous system's different, they might be more anxious, they might be more, whatever, just uh, more empathic, these sorts of things. So it's good to know who you're dealing with, whether you're sensitive or not. And then for the people that are um, sensitive, just knowing that you're not alone. There's 20% of, of the gay community is going to score um, in the sensitive domain. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty big number, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So why don't you share with us, Chris, what your, um, well, your sensitivity story, like how did you learn to become your sensitive? What was it like being sensitive as a child for you? Mm. Well, I think people used to tell me that I was sensitive. Um, as a, as a young person, but it really wasn't welcomed. It was like talked about in the context of, well, why can't you just be like your brothers? Yeah, what's wrong with you? Come on, just get on with it. Mm-hmm. And there was a lack of understanding of, well, I'm just different. Mm-hmm. And it was, but it really hurt me to get those messages because the cost was it turned me against myself. Mm-hmm instead of actually understanding and valuing that I'm just different, my self-esteem was lowered. Um, My willingness to stand up for myself was, was reduced because I, I, and I'm, and and one's ability to get their needs met becomes compromised if they're told that this, that their needs aren't valid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was my experience of um, just wasn't a happy 
uh, it wasn't a happy childhood in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, happiness, although it would fluctuate. So what I'm like throughout my childhood and adult, even my early adulthood, I would notice that there were certain people for whom they would notice my needs and they would, in, they would welcome and embrace them and they would, they would help me meet them. Mm-hmm. And when my needs were met, I thrived. I remember there was a, before I became a psychologist, I was working corporate in a corporate job and the CEO of the company I was working with um, kind of, he kind of protected me from all the political machinations and he kind of backed me in a way to take advantage of that sensitivity. And I, we did amazing work together. Mm. Um, but then I changed to another job where I was, um, had a supervisor who didn't value um, this difference and wanted me just to be like someone else. And then I crashed. So this is this, this experience, my exp- personal experience was that sometimes I get my needs met and other times I wouldn't. And, and it was all variable because I didn't understand my needs. And then I had this huge, then I went, got into a relationship where once again, I was told that uh, you're too emotional. There's something uh, wrong with you. Why can't you be like other people? And once again, uh, this was very disempowering. It was, it led me to a state of, um, yeah, to a state of, great vulnerability. Um, and it was only after the end of that relationship that I came across the term, the highly sensitive person. Um, yeah. When I was, um, kind of, uh, through doing some therapy relating to grieving the end of that relationship. Yeah. And at the very same time, also I was doing my doctorate in clinical psychology and I, I was looking at what predicts resilience and the greatest predictor of resilience is neuroticism. So people who are more neurotic are less resilient. And I said, well, what, why do people become neurotic? And so I asked this question and I I looked into the research and it became very clear to me that the people who are most neurotic are the people who are highly sensitive, but traumatized Mm -hmm. and invalidated in their sensitivity. So, well, what about, then I raised the question, well, what about if we didn't have to, what about if we changed the trajectory and the sensitive people were supported in getting their needs met, voila, no longer neurotic. Mm, interesting. So, and this means that this is basically 20% of the population empowered to live healthy, emotional and, and physical lives. Yeah. So this um, became um, a big focus of my work on how to kind of support myself in um valuing my needs as a sensitive man and how to help others yeah Mm. and that's brought me really pretty much to where i am too and then i kind of looked into what's required for a sensitive person to thrive and that's how i kind of came up with the um program design with you um the two central elements being emotion regulation and authentic relating Mm. yeah so there's my story um it's still a work in progress i still do fear fear displaying my sensitivity from time to time because i fear other people putting me down and criticizing me because of so many memories of that experience yeah um but i'm learning to be braver Mm. yeah yeah this is a good a good step in that direction it takes a lot of bravery Mm -hmm. to come on a podcast and share your story so yeah Um, Mine is a little similar to yours. I think, um, you know, I kind of, I, I describe my, my upbringing as like, almost like everything was in like high definition or like technicolor, you know, like everything was just intense. My whole upbringing was intense. I felt things intensely. I smelt things intensely. I saw things intensely, bright lights, loud noises. These, all these things were really activating for me and I had no idea. So I just thought that this was how, I was and um, and that, you know, I, for a long time, I thought there was something wrong with me. I felt defective, I felt broken. I felt like, why am I always just feeling dysregulated and overstimulated by the world around me? And um, 
I, I basically, and I also being an empath as well, that was also a lot for me too, because I was feeling all the feelings of the people around me and my own feelings, which made it even more intense. And um, so I think I learned very quickly from a young age to shut off my emotions and dissociate from a young age. And I also experienced childhood trauma, which um, I've talked about in previous episodes. And um, I just learned to dissociate. I learned to shut off my ability to feel, to be connected to my body. And I was using drugs and alcohol as a way to cope with the intensity of, of everything and, mm. and kind of numbing myself out. And, um, and then just in the last, well, I would say probably, you know, 10 years, I've done a lot of deep, deep inner work on kind of, you know, understanding myself. And then this piece of the puzzle that you gave me around understanding my sensitivity was such a game changer, because I think the biggest thing for me now is understanding the environments that I have to avoid, right? Like, and especially if I'm feeling more sensitive, because my sensitivity can, can heighten at times, and then it can decrease at times, like, depending on mood, or if I have a lot going on in my life, or these sorts of things. And when I'm more susceptible, more susceptible to my, uh, my sensitivity, I have to avoid environments that, that are too intense for me. So mm. really like the orchid, like you said, understanding my sensitivity and the, 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 the environments that I, that are going to make me thrive was the, was a game changer for me. So now I don't put myself in situations where, well, a, I'm not valued by the people around me. Right. And where people don't understand um, my sensitivity, I think I don't hang out with those people. And um, so that's that's been a big part of it. So being around other sensitive people, learning about the trait and then being around other sensitives has been such a huge game changer for me because I know I'm not alone and it feels so good to be around other people who see the world and experience the world the same way that I do, um, or at least similarly as, as I do. So yeah yeah it really makes a difference <clears throat> um to be able to meet other to kind of find other people in my experience i share that who kind of don't tell you that you're wrong <laughs> yeah that you shouldn't be this way you should that you kind of welcome this aspect of yourself um and myself yeah it makes such a huge difference i love it yeah it's, it's also it's, good from a dating perspective <laughs> To, yeah, big time, big mm. time. Actually, one of the things that's really important to note about that is just being highly sensitive, like we have certain needs. And those needs often can sometimes be judged as being high maintenance or too picky, or too emotional or too dramatic, all these things. Because for me, it's like, I can't eat certain foods, I can't be I can't drink alcohol, I can't be around loud and boisterous people, like this sort of thing, I'm more introverted. And I think growing up, my parents like they thought I was so picky because like I would only eat certain foods and I you know didn't like certain things loud noises and you know learning about that helped me too and then bringing that into my relationship like my my partners need to understand this about me because it's a huge part of who I am and it affects every aspect of the relationship really like uh, even sexually like because of my overstimulation, sex can be overstimulating for me. So I need certain, um, certain aspects of sex to be conducive to my sensitivity, right? So a lot of communication, I've had to learn how to be a really good communicator um, and communicate my needs, because otherwise, I just end up overstimulated and dysregulated, and it's no good. Mm, definitely. Um, just a little side note, um, Elaine, Aaron, she in the research uh, has identified that not all sensitive people are introverted. Mm -hmm. However, that's around 70% of highly sensitive people are introverted, mm -hmm. but 30% are extroverted. So I'm a little bit more extroverted than you. Yeah. Um, the experience of the extroverted highly sensitive person is a bit like having one foot on the accelerator, wanting to get out there and the other foot on the brake because you're just getting you put yourself out there and then you get overwhelmed by what yeah so yeah there are some of us who are both both extroverted and sensitive extra challenge mm -hmm. yeah yeah so your friend who who might come out 
and then they just ghost all of a sudden, they might be highly sensitive. <laughs> because I think for me, like I, I, I do like going out, but then I hit a, a, a threshold, a social threshold, and I need to get the heck out of wherever I am. And yeah. uh, it's almost just like a switch flips. Like I can be like social and bubbly and, and like fluttering around and talking to everybody. And then all of a sudden I hit my threshold and it's like, I have nothing left. Like I'm good and I need to get out, get away from, from it. So I know that's definitely a sign amongst um, HSPs like ghosting or just like, you know, taking care of ourselves. We have to remove ourselves mm. from the overstimulation. Yeah. Ideally though, it'd be nice if, slightly sensitive person who's overstimulated would share, Hey, I'm just overstimulated. Yeah. I'll come back in a bit, yeah. but sometimes we don't understand. So I guess we're not the best at communicating. Yeah. Um, it's definitely something that we got to learn. Hmm. So let's talk so about the unique challenges of being a sensitive man. Hmm. And, and I, I emphasize the man part of it because I feel like being a highly sensitive person, like women experience sensitivity differently because they're conditioned differently amongst around gender, right? Like mm -hmm. it's okay for women to be more emotional and to be more sensitive and to be that, you know, that aspect of things. But for men, it's tend to be really frowned upon. So what are some of the unique challenges of being a sensitive man, would you think? Well, yeah, exactly. When the gender socialization doesn't really uh, support sensitive men, mm -hmm. um, in m many ways, it kind of undermines the health of the sensitive man mm -hmm. um, to be told that you shouldn't be sad or shouldn't be fearful. And then to then suppress these emotions uh, just gets in the way of getting your needs met. Um, so yeah, the sensitive, yeah, sensitive man is basically constantly told that there's something wrong with them. Well, particularly start off being a boy, a sensitive boy. Oh, there's yeah. something wrong with you. What's wrong with you? What's why can't you do it differently? Yeah. So self-esteem gets crushed. You're not getting your needs met. Um, just very lonely. Yeah. These are the unique experiences of the sensitive boy, in my experience. Mm -hmm. What about yourself? I think there's a total disregard for the nervous system. I think it's all like when you, when, when the way that the, that the sensitivity shows up for people is it can show up like avoidance. It can show up as like withdrawal. It can show up as uh, overstimulation. It can show up in all these ways. And I think that, you know, oftentimes you hear parents being like, Oh, just toughen up or, or, um, you know, get over it or pushing, pushing kids that are more introverted and, and highly sensitive into social situations that they don't want to be in. And then it causes um, dysregulation. It causes insecurity, shame, all the social conditioning for um, the, the young boy is very limited. It's limited displays of emotionality. Um, it's asking them to deny who they are. Um, it's, you know, poor displays of empathy, right? Um, and I just think our culture is so um, easy, easily like labeling young sensitive boys as weak, right? Because mm. the way that we value what is strong is repression, right? Repress who you are, deny who you are, don't show emotion. So I think there's a lot of work to do in society around um, discontinuing this whole gender socialization around what is appropriate and what isn't for for young boys and girls, I just think that it needs to become more fluid um, in order for for us to learn as as young people to embrace who we are, and, and yeah. so we don't have to hide our authenticity. And that's especially the case given that um, the percentage of boys who are sensitive and girls is the same. Mm -hmm. So exactly. one in five, one in five boys is sensitive. One in five girls is sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, it's very unfair yeah. <laughs> that for the, for the sensitive boy, mm -hmm. um, to be so devalued and to be so undermined mm -hmm. in their development, mm -hmm. uh, it can even affect, and I've seen it in my clients, um, educational achievement mm -hmm. definitely affects relationships, um, confidence, but even relate uh, educational achievement. Mm -hmm. um, so many different consequences from not being supported in getting your needs met. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so coming back to the boys, yeah. Um, there was a book, there was a an author called Ted Zeff who wrote a book called The Strong Sensitive Boy. Um, he, he, he describes this, um, maps out the experience, you know, just, just not being valued is, is, plays a, has a huge impact on the ongoing well-being of, the, of a sensitive man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate, really. Um, hmm? go ahead i was just gonna say let's let's move on to the um the, the well the similarities between gay men and highly sensitive people if you know some of the people that were that we're obviously speaking to in this podcast are going to be well everybody because it's good to understand the trait but people who are both but what does a gay man and a highly sensitive person have in common um, well particularly gay men of the past a gay man that grows up in any environment where they, where their sexuality is, they are taught that there's something wrong with their sexuality, mm-hmm. shares the experience of a sensitive boy who's grown up being told there's something wrong with their sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a sense of loneliness, a sense of, uh, of not having your needs met, a sense of sadness associated with it, the depression um, when we're not getting our needs met, we become more depressed and anxious and we can burn out and mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the same. There's so many parallels between the experience of uh, the devalued sensitive boy and the devalued gay boy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Obviously there's difference now that in the Western world or many parts of the Western world, being gay is more acceptable yeah. Um, but still, I think being sensitive as a boy is still not as acceptable. Hmm. I think they're both very similar. I, I wouldn't even say the gays of the past, because I think there's there's still so much shaming happening around around sexuality. Even, it's it's improved. Don't get me wrong, but I still think that it's 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 viewed as it's devalued really homosexuality mm. is still devalued and even in Canada and I'd say Canada is probably one of the more accepting countries in the world for mm. for being gay and I would still say that a majority of the population in Canada devalues homosexuality versus heterosexuality in my opinion yeah yeah well I guess I live in a bubble <clears throat> living in inner city Melbourne where you um yeah a lot of schools are very welcoming yeah, yeah. Gay. but it didn't used to be like that yeah like 20 years ago it was very different um these days you know you, yeah there's a lot a lot more support yeah but there's no support for being a sensitive boy i don't i've never seen i've never heard of anybody uh, getting up in front of the school assembly and saying i am a sensitive boy and these are my needs but i've heard this coming happening in um boys schools in melbourne mm-hmm. um for gay people i'm yeah. coming out as gay so this is this coming out process um needs to happen for for sensitive boys and sensitive men yeah. we need to just rid ourselves of the shame and we need yeah. to say this is me and i am not going to accept anyone who tells me that i should be different anymore yeah yeah i agree I think this pl- this directly plays into gender socialization again, because if you look at, you know, what does being sensitive and being gay have in common? And it would be the rejection of the femininity, right? Because people view sensitive as a feminine attribute and people view get- being gay as more feminine attribute, right? Um, and I just think that that's, the- that's what we're up against, right? When you look at the social mm-hmm. conditioning that we're facing as gay men and as sensitives, a lot of the people that I was triggered by growing up were men that had strong displays of emotion would trigger me and men that had strong displays of femininity. So drag queens, these sorts of things were really triggering for me when I was younger because I was rejecting these aspects in myself because I had yet to make peace with the fact I was sensitive and I was gay, right? So that's how internalized homophobia shows up, right? Reject the thing that you are rejecting within yourself 
And this is the mm. same with sensitive, right? I think there might be even people that are, that are listening to this podcast that might be triggered by us exposing our sensitivity. It's like, why would you share that about, why would you want to own that? Right. Isn't mm. that a bad thing to be sensitive? Um, people might be saying, but it's like, when you start to make peace with these things, then you start to, you stop judging them in others. And I think that's, uh, for me now, I, I, I lead with these things. I love the fact that I'm a gay man and I love the fact that I'm sensitive. And for sure, there's still aspects of both of them that I'm like, yeah, it's a bit of a pain in the ass because it goes against the, the grain of what the mainstream society is going, going uh, along with. But um, for the most part, I love being gay and I love being sensitive. Well, you've come a long way, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a deep work. And healing trauma has been huge. Like without, you, you made such a great point earlier, like, you know, trauma does, you know, somebody who's a sensitive person who's experienced trauma will become more neurotic. And I think that neurosis is like, it creates so much disruption in our relationship functioning and, and in our relationship with ourselves and uh, work, like every aspect is, is affected when we're more neurotic. And I think the more, um, the, the, the trauma healing that I've done has had such a huge impact on mm. my functioning because now that I've healed the trauma, uh, cause I think trauma shows up similarly in the body as, uh, an overstimulated sensory processing sensitivity, right? Mm. It's like overstimulation. It's like hypervigilance, these sorts of things. And I think, um, once you remove the trauma out of the body, you're left with managing your SPS and it's made it so much easier to manage my SPS with, without the trauma kind of looming over. I, I think that that the def, this ma- definitely healing the trauma may, makes a huge difference. I think the access to do that, or the motivation to do that, um, becomes greater once we rid ourselves of sensitivity phobia. Yeah. So just in the same way as internalized homophobia prevents uh, gay men from having healthy relationships mm-hmm. um, and putting themselves out there to meet other men. Um, sensitivity phobia prevents sensitive men from um, having access to well-being yeah and health yeah so we need to first of all reject all the messages and uh, fully own our sensitivity and so that we don't uh, constantly fall back into re-traumatizing ourselves or allowing others to re-traumatize ourselves because we need boundaries. We need to stop allowing the, um, the people in our cult, in our circles from telling us that there's something wrong with us. Yeah. It is, it's the same thing as gay men had to stop. We gay men had to stop, had to put boundaries up with people who were saying that they shouldn't be gay. Yeah. No. And sensitive men also need to do the same thing. Exactly. One thing I will say is that this concept of intersectionality play, plays a role here. Intersectionality refers to the, the experience of belonging to multi, multiple devalued groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you could be um, an ethnic minority, you could be like a person of colour, or you could be um, um, obviously uh, queer, LGBTI, etc. Um, and then another divide group is to be a sensitive man. Mm-hmm. So if you're sensitive and gay, um, it's extra, you have a greater experience of discrimination mm-hmm. and you even experience it within the gay community, which yeah. is very disappointing. Yeah. One thing I will say is when I, first of all, but before I came out, I thought that all gay men were sensitive and I was like, oh, they're going to be just like me. Mm. Didn't take me long to work out that. No, they don't value, many people do not value this trait. And they just wanted, they looked down upon me. So there's so much rejection from within the community for for being sensitive. Um, So it's very hard within this community. Mm -hmm. There's not much space for a sensitive gay man at like a club or a bar. These environments are highly overstimulating. and if you're using drugs and alcohol, you often disconnect from your emotional self. So there's, you're not honoring your needs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You make so many great points. I think um, it, it's been such a game changer for me to, 
incorporate acceptance around my, my sensitivity. I think people, um, even the people that are listening to this, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that 20% of the world's population is sensitive and that's it. We're talking about sensitive as, as, as far as a, a, the processing sensitivity of, of the sensory dynamic, right? The SPS. But I would say it's higher for people who are connected to their sensitive nature, just being sensitive in general, emotionally being um, sensitive to the needs of others. I think that's, that's even higher. And I think the reason why I think it's uh, it's devalued in the gay community is because they haven't a lot of a, a lot of gay men haven't connected to that part of themselves, right? That deeper emotional part of themselves because of maybe trauma or shame or these sorts of things. And I think that um, what I'm experiencing now is like the more that I'm embracing it and leading with it, it's almost like people, um, and not just from me, obviously, but I feel like there's there's a lot more consciousness in the gay community at least that's what how i'm experiencing it a lot more people that are learning to value these things and um i hear people talking about the traits that they want in a partner like even in the gay men's brotherhood uh, and a lot of them are the traits that sensitive men embody right more empathy more understanding um somebody who doesn't want to just get fucked up on the weekends and drink and, and party and this sort of these sorts of things and um so i do think it's 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 shifting I think our time to shine as sensitive men is like, it's coming. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're being more understood and, and the traits of who we are authentically are being valued. And I just think that's also because other gay men are doing the work too, whether they're sensitive or not, they're doing the work to connect with their emotions. So when you connect deeper with your emotions, it's easier for you to want to connect with other people who are emotionally available too, because you're not triggered by their emotionality, right? You're like, oh yeah, like I've, I've worked on this in myself. So now I want to see it in others. At least that's how I'm experiencing it. I might be totally off the mark as far as the majority, but I'm experiencing it that way, which feels nice. Yeah. So if people, um, can people really value, um, there's so many traits that people or so many aspects of being sensitive, which are, which are valued. This is the ironic thing. There are being sensitive acts provides access to being able to attune to the needs of the people around us. And we offer so much to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world, the general population does value a lot of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But often they, and I think there's a documentary um, that Elaine Aaron did and she spoke to, Alanis Morissette, who identifies as a highly sensitive person. And she said, oh, they just want, everyone wants this part of me, but they don't want this part. Yeah, They don't want the sensitivity, the emotional expression. They want my magical music, but they don't want this. Exactly. And, but we don't come as two people. We come as one. Yeah. So we have so much to offer, um, but we can't, we can't give that to the world if, this other part of us if we're told that we just have to fit in (laughs) exactly exactly yeah and most well not most but i would say a lot of the people that are highly creative are highly sensitive um Mm. i I wrote a definition on my 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 instagram page um of what, what sensitivity means to me and i define it as a gift that allows you to be highly attuned and perceptive of yourself and your environment and I think that that's really the gift that we've been given, you know, is, is the ability to be able to be very highly attuned and perceptive to what's going on, both within us and within other people. And I think that's a really, really uh, powerful gift to have mm. yeah, when it's understood and you can work yeah. with it and embrace it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you are owning it and when you understand it, you have access to this gift. Yeah. So the, the term dissociation, I think, is an important um, term to define for people, the experience of disconnecting from one's emotional self, one's body, mm-hmm. in order because people dissociate because their body is in distress. Mm-hmm. And if they have no other way, because they're, because they're not getting their needs met, if they have no other way of dealing with their emotion, children dissociate. Yeah. And this is a hugely problematic thing and a behavior and it's sub it's unconscious and automatic. Mm. Um, sensitive people who are dissociating uh, do not have access to these gifts. Yeah, exactly. So we must, um, 
reconnect with our body um, and learn to deal with so the emotions our emotional experience arises within our bodies we cannot work with it we cannot have access to our amazing intuition and our creative spirit and when we are dissociated yeah. Yeah. so that's yeah. a lot of the work that i do and i'm sure you do the same type of work in my practice <clears throat> that's what i work on is is plugging people back in head and heart head and body getting people plugged back into their emotional world so they can mm. heal right because yeah. a lot of a lot of people are disconnected yeah absolutely and i'll going back to my story like i was quite clever and I found refuge in my mind in thinking, mm-hmm. you know, academics. Um, mm-hmm. So the body was distressed because I was not being welcomed as gay and sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just ignored, disconnected from the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just to remember this experience of after I broke up from my long-term relationship and sitting, being with a, an emotion focused therapist and they just pointed out, Oh, you are, you're exhibiting these signs of this emotion. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you're like a magician. <laughs> so they would point out stuff that was happening within me, but I wasn't even noticing it. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I was like, the emo- I, connect- I realized, oh, that's sadness. Oh, that's fear. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's shame. Mm-hmm. So they taught me to notice these emotions. They took me out of dissociation. And through being able to reconnect with my emotions, I became, gained access to understanding them um, and moving towards getting my needs met and moving towards thriving as a gay sensitive man. Yeah. Yeah, But there's, there's, but it's, it's often, um, and that, that experience of having someone to help you to reconnect with your body. Yeah. You know, this is, it's sometimes you may need some extra guidance on that from a therapist or coach mm-hmm. on how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's go into the challenges of being highly sensitive. What are mm. some of the, what are like the top few challenges that you think you face as, as a highly sensitive person? Well, yeah, I think I just mentioned one of them dissociation. And so dissociation comes under the, the guise of emotion regulation. Yeah. And yeah. So essentially sensitive men who disconnect from their bodies aren't regulating their emotions. They're not getting their emotional needs met. They become depressed and anxious. So um, learning to regulate your emotions, learning to process your emotions in healthy ways um, is essential for a sensitive person. Yeah. Without that, um, you kind of, you kind of, you're at the whim of the external world. Mm -hmm. The external world will sometimes meet your needs and sometimes they won't. But if you understand your emotions, then you can take responsibility for getting your needs met. Mm -hmm. So you, this is the process. This is a central element of empowering yourself as a sensitive person Yeah. to learn about your emotions, to learn to regulate them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think for me, probably one of the biggest things was FOMO, fear of missing out. I think um, when I was younger, I was betraying myself. I wasn't respecting my sensitivity because I actually didn't even know I had it. Um, I felt it, but I didn't know what it was. And I was putting myself in environments where I was fitting in, but I wasn't, they were overstimulating me. I was like feeling like all crazy and Um, like going to the club or the bars or being around a ton of people doing drugs, drinking, um, these sorts of things. And, and then I went through a period where I had to learn about my trait and I had to be mindful of the environments I place myself in. So that would say, I think that's a challenge. I I can, I'm limited in the certain places I can go or certain things I can do because of my sensitivity. And that for a long time was a real big um, it, it affected me, but I think that's also because I was younger. I wanted to party and now I'm in my mid thirties and I'm like, I don't value those things anymore. I want to be out in the mountains hiking and I want to do all the things that are conducive to my sensitivity. So I think mm-hmm. just maturing for me has been a big, it's, it's helped me embrace my sensitivity because I don't want to do all the things that aren't really going to, that are going to set me off as a sensitive person. 
I think, yeah, that's definitely, I can relate to that hundred percent. Like that still happens with me. Like I currently it's pride month in Melbourne and Southern hemisphere. It's summer still. Um, there's been a lot of events, but I've had a lot of going on and I've been emotionally overwhelmed at times. So I just haven't had the energy to go out. And I, I have had that. Well, I, they call it FOMO. I, I sometimes call it SOMO, the sadness of missing out. I've been wanting to be in it, but it just, I just haven't had, it just hasn't been right for me to go mm-hmm. to these events uh, because they're very overstimulating. Yeah. Um, yeah but can. I think, I think the, the SOMO kind of, I can, I, I put, I, it, it helps me to kind of, um, move on from that when I remember that if I honor my own needs then there will be more happy and exciting experiences later mm-hmm. yeah I like that reframe mm. yeah 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 I would say another one for me is relationships relationships have been hard because of my trade but I've only been in one relationship now <clears throat> since understanding my trait and that was when I just learned about it I just started dating Ben when you and I kind of started connecting and, and learning about this so I feel like my next relationship I'm going to just really own it and be like this is who I am this is um, because it's it's not easy teaching somebody about your your limitations without feeling shame right because sometimes there's there's limitations about being sensitive um, there's also a lot of benefits about being it. So anyways, I think just think that now I'm a lot more confident. I don't have shame around my sensitivity and it's going to be easier to be able to teach my next partner about my sensory processing sensitivity and how I need to be treated, how the needs I have, the unique needs that I have and how they can you know, show up to accommodate those needs to a certain degree, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, makes a lot of sense. It's really hard to... In order to do that, of course, it's really hard to do that if you don't value yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think the journey before moving into having a healthy relationship, one needs to value oneself and uh, one's difference and understand how to get one's needs met. And um, and I think the training ground like the um, for a healthy relationship is friendships. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you don't have to get into a one-on-one exclusive intimate relationship with somebody to practice this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, ideally, you start with um, expressing your needs and your sensitivity needs mm-hmm. in the context of friendships. And if you find your friends don't value this, then you might need to um, educate them and request respect and if they don't want to respect then you may need to change your social circle a bit yeah okay before we go on to the benefits i want to read out um triggers triggers for highly sensitive people and this is i'm not speaking for everybody um but these are common things that i see in my work so loud noises bright lights inauthentic people itchy or scratchy fabrics, hunger, not feeling heard or, or understood, working under pressure, or not getting enough sleep. These are all really common triggers that I find for highly sensitive people. Um, mm-hmm. Any things for you? Any, any triggers that? I think the number one thing for me is having too much on. Yeah, like multitasking or doing too much. Yeah, just being totally overstimulated. Like. Yeah yeah it's yeah it's not fun yeah when you're getting when you're being triggered in from all directions it's like very hard so yeah Mm. so all right lastly benefits what do we love about being sensitive men Mm. well i think the thing is that you know when we understand ourselves and we can get our needs met um yeah life is so much more richer and more rewarding the connections that we make um just 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 so much more pleasurable um yeah and yeah there's so much i, I guess yeah the, 
yeah, there's just there's just so much. I just I don't even know where to start and to answer that question, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? Um, I would say <clears throat> rich inner world. I am very, very um I don't often experience boredom. Um, because I just have so much happening in my inner world. Um, I love being introverted. Um, I also love being extroverted to a certain degree. Um, I would say, like I described it earlier as being, it's like being in technicolor or being in like high definition. And I think that's so amazing. Like when I'm out in nature and I'm like seeing the landscapes and I'm breathing in all the things, I'm hearing the birds and everything. It's like, amazing so when Mm. when when there's sensory processing that's happening at a a beautiful threshold it's amazing it's when it surpasses that threshold right and birds chirping and you know the sound of a creek like those things aren't overstimulating those things are amazing so i hear them in like a really high definition kind of Mm. way um i would say creativity i attribute my creative writing my creative um work everything that's my around my creativity I, i attribute that to my ability to process deeply, to notice subtleties in my environment, to be able to tune into what my environment needs. I create my content because I'm a very aware of what my, what my audience wants, because I just, I, I observe their behaviors. I observe the way they talk. Right. And I'm able to create something that's very, very niche for, for my specific audience. So it's just, it's enhanced my life in so many ways. Um, And I do know that like, it makes me a very attentive, thoughtful, compassionate, and empathetic human, but also lover, right? Like I can love in such a beautiful way. I can meet most needs of my partners because I understand them. I'm, I'm always observing them and watching them. And, um, so I know what they want. I know what's going to make them feel good. And, uh, so I just think HSPs tend to make really great lovers when they've healed their trauma. I think that's the caveat. Heal your trauma. Trauma. When they heal their trauma, because I think heal any, trauma. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like trauma will fuck with your relationships. Anybody, it doesn't matter if you're HSP or not. And I think when an HSP heals their trauma and they learn to love themselves, you will be an amazing lover because everything about being HSP is like conducive to being a good lover, like right, and being a, a, in good oh. in relationships. It's conducive to em- empathic attunement, being able to be be with another person. Mm-hmm. yeah at multiple levels yeah. yeah 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 so i made another list and this is things hsps love mm. soft soft fabrics mm-hmm. spending time in nature mm-hmm. feeling okay. feeling understood a great night's sleep a warm meal listening to their favorite song on repeat time alone controlling the pace of life i hate being rushed it's like the worst thing mm. um being around authentic people and doing things they want to do. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. So before we wrap up, let's, let's uh, share the course, the ARE course. What do you, what do you have to say about the ARE course? All right. So we created that the course last year, um, the course runs for over an eight-week period, mm-hmm. um, two and a half hours a week. There is a one-week gap in week five. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an opportunity to meet other people who are highly sensitive mm-hmm. um, and to let go and, and to understand you're not alone. And mm-hmm. I think that's the crux. And to understand yourself, to reject all the messages that you got when you were a child that said that you were or from the community that said that there's something wrong with you, where you learn to stop avoiding aspects of yourself and your emotions and you start to embrace them, embrace yourself and own yourself and embrace and, un- and, and work towards getting your emotional needs met. Yeah. Um, yeah, most, many of the participants from last year told me that it, it was transformational. It was a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's quite a remarkable experience. And it's really what I wish I had had many years ago. Yeah, me too. Mm. Me too. I'm offering to I'm offering now to the world what I wish I could have had. And isn't that funny yeah. how it always it always goes that way where we, we create maybe what we didn't get or what we didn't uh, get to experience when we were younger. So 
Yeah, I'm really proud of this course. It's 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 a huge, huge honor to be able to deliver this and to be able to introduce people to their sensitivity because it's a game changer. Like, look at what I've done. I've changed my whole business because of learning about this trait because it was that important. And um, but yeah, so the, the course for me, it's like um, we've what we've done is we've merged emotion regulation and authentic relating into one course. And we're all about empowerment and being your most authentic self. Uh, the first half of the course is going to be all about uh, teaching you about the trait, the science of it, what it, you know, we go a lot in more depth of what we shared today. Um, and then we um, build community, we build that strong network in workshop one, then we talk about social conditioning, and how to unpack the social conditioning that we've inherited from from the different systems um, that isn't helping us. And then uh, workshop three and four, we, we talk about uh, healing trauma and and how to emotionally regulate. Um, and then the, we have an integration week and then we go into the, uh, the, the last three workshops, which are all about authentic relating, which is being present, listening skills and self-expression. So all of these are really, really valuable tools to have as a human being, but they're very, it's very specific and geared towards um, highly sensitive people and uh, so I de definitely know people would benefit from, from attending one of our workshops. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you think is important before we wrap up? Um, well, we're running one uh, start of April. That's the other thing to mention. This is the next one we're running. Yeah. Um, sometimes we run these by ourselves. Sometimes we run with uh, uh uh, with others um you're together or by ourselves yeah so yeah yeah um yeah i guess the uh the key thing is um to reach out to us and um we'll let you know the details yeah uh, i'll put a link in the show notes so that people can um see, go to the landing page and they can see um the course offerings because i'll be offering one and you'll be off and we'll be offering one together um in april mm -hmm. and that'll be the last ones that we offer until probably fall at least for me because i'm going to be taking the summer off of uh, uh did you say fall or was that fall. you mean north yeah my fall. northern hemisphere you're fall. going back into winter sucker <laughs> yeah i know we're, we're heading the days are getting shorter here yeah yeah so and hopefully one day we can run a retreat and i was thinking that we should do something in uh, alberta yeah, there's lots that of beautiful be places here. Beautiful to be in the nature. Yeah, yeah. Banff, Alberta, Canmore, Waterton. There's like endless mm. beauty here. So, <clears throat> okay. Well, I've really enjoyed this. I want to just thank you again for coming on and sharing your story and, and sharing all your knowledge. And um, yeah, and from the bottom of my heart, I thank you personally for um, just the... Um, the impact and the effect that you've had on on my life and my both professionally and personally so i value you mr chris well, i value you mr matthew you, your authenticity and willingness to put yourself out there inspires me to be braver mm. good that's my mission that's my that's my purpose that's my purpose inspire courage in others to be their authentic self so i'm mm. glad that you've benefited from that and yeah. uh yeah, to the listener or viewer, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Gay Men Going Deeper. Um, if you're listening to us on um, your favorite podcast network, please um, subscribe and, and uh, leave us a review. We'd love to know your thoughts on this, uh, this episode. That would be awesome. And uh, for people on YouTube, thanks for tuning in and subscribe to our channel. We release new content each week and uh, leave a comment let us know if you're highly sensitive share maybe a little bit about your sensitivity story how mm -hmm. you're relating to your own sensitivity because i always love to meet new sensitive people you are my tribe so i welcome you with open arms and uh yeah much love to you all take care ciao